Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week on the Screen Verdict Podcast, we're going to be reviewing Lawless. The only rule in the town of Lawless is that there are no rules. I don't think there's a town called Lawless or that line in the film. Well, where what's the town where they are? I just assumed it was called Lawless, because that's what the movie's called. <laughs> Better than you assuming it was L.A. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the town of Lawless, where there ain't no laws. Yeah, if they call towns Lawless based on the town not having any laws, the show Deadwood would probably have been called Lawless instead of Deadwood. But it wasn't called Lawless. The show was called Deadwood, so it was about Deadwood. The movie's called Lawless, so it's about the town Lawless. <laughs> was the movie Looper about a town called Looper? No, but this is like a, a small like town with no rules. Like it's similar to Deadwood. Like Looper's about time travel. <laughs> so let's backpedal a bit. What is this movie about? Well, when you saw the trailer, you said, oh, man, this movie's like cowboys versus gangsters. Yeah, well, I saw, like, people in a small, like, sort of, like, country town sort of wearing cowboy hats. And then, like, halfway through the trailer, like, uh, Gary Oldman rocks up with, like, a gangster gun in, like, a gangster car and starts shooting people. Like, and I was like, whoa, it's like gangsters versus cowboys. This is a pretty uh, intriguing premise. But that's not quite the premise of the film. No, I was disappointed with the lack of gangsters versus cowboys in this movie. Yeah, well, I've been burnt before. Cowboys and Aliens was a disappointment, so that that isn't the best setup (laughs) for a film. Mm. Let's hope we could do it better than Alien versus Predator. Mm. The premise is that it's around 1920s, Prohibition era, and it's about these brothers, the Bondurant boys. Mm Mm-hmm who run sort of a bootlegging moonshine operation. Mm. So you're not allowed alcohol or to sell it or anything like that, mm. but they're doing it anyway. So they're a bit rebels. Outlaws. Yeah, outlaws. Yeah. And so I guess they're sort of a gang in a way, mm. but we view them as cowboys because it's kind of set out west. It's more of a mm. cowboy kind of setting. Yeah. I felt they are a bit like very hillbilly-ish. Yeah. Hmm. But then sort of further in towards town, you have some people that look more like your uh, Boardwalk Empire gangsters. Yeah. And that's where the confusion came from. Mm. And then we've also got the cops. Yes. Who are trying to not shut this down, because these aren't really good cops. They're more trying to uh, manage it, make sure they get their cut of the bootlegging business. Mm. And what, like, happens? Full disclosure... I fell asleep a little bit in the beginning of the movie. So you have the Bondurant boys, these three brothers, mm. and they are Jack, Forrest, I think Howard. Mm-hmm. And Jack's sort of the youngest one. He kind of wants to impress his older brothers, sort of get into the game, so to speak. And Forrest, he's kind of the the one in charge. He's kind yeah. of feared around town. He's the big bad man. Mm. And everyone kind of, sort of a bad guy. They're like, people like him in the town. Yeah, they seem a bit cut off from the rest of the town, though. Like, like um, they're hanging out with each other a lot <laughs> and not hanging out with anyone else much. Well, they've sort of put a distance between them and everybody else because they refuse to back down to the special deputy that comes to town. Mm. So the cops come in, new cop representing the Commonwealth Attorney or something like that, yeah. and he wants to get a cut of the business, but Forrest, he ain't having that. And so this creates sort of the 
the tension. I guess the story in the film, it's about mm. these guys trying to go about their bootlegging business and these other people trying to shut them down. Yes. So you got the, the mean cop come in, stirs up some trouble, and we're off to the races. Now, this film is written and directed by people. People I don't know much about. I had no expectations either way. But you've heard of them before, so fill us in. Who are these guys? Well, Lawless is directed by John Hillcoat, who directed The Proposition and the film The Road. I did not see those movies. Well, I really liked both of those films. And the first one, The Proposition, was written by Nick Cave, who also wrote Lawless. Oh, okay. So a bit of a dynamic Western duo. Do you prefer Proposition or The Road? That's a tough question. I'd probably give them both around 8 out of 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're both Australian. I think it's possible that John Hillcoat might be born in New Zealand and we've claimed him. Australia-New Zealand-ish area. We're claiming them. They're ours. Claim him till he, like, throws a phone at someone's <laughs> face or something like that. Claim him till he does something uh, unseemly. Yeah. <laughs> or if Lawless isn't any good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. See, I'm a big fan of both of those guys. Nick Cave... Also a musician. I love Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds albums. And he also did the soundtrack for this and the soundtrack for The Assassination of Jesse James. So oh, you like that movie. I sure do. So a lot for me to get pumped up over. I was... Okay. No wonder you wanted to see it so badly. <laughs> like, like, I've been conned. Why didn't you tell me this yeah. is why you wanted to see the film? Why well, You told like, me I'd like it, but you'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you gave the list of films you wanted to do the next month, and Lawless was on there, and I hadn't heard of the film before, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a bit of, like, not uh, one I'd even thought about us doing. I was happy to do it, and, you know, it was good to see, but... Um, yeah, that, well, that explains why you were keen to see it, though. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, so, we've got a various... Uh, it's probably good uh, with this film. There's a few different characters, different personalities, different actors uh, in the piece, and maybe going through a couple of them and talking about their, uh, their, their what we think of them as actors and what we thought about how they're character. Because it is a fairly character-driven film in a lot of ways. Um, I was surprised at the uh, lack of plot and the emphasis on characters in this <laughs> film. Not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily a good thing. You'll find it in my verdicts, what I thought. So we've got Tom Hardy, fresh off Dark Knight Rises. Mm. He got another movie. Yeah, amazing that anyone is working after being involved with that. So Tom Hardy, he plays Forrest, he plays the big brother. Mm. I love Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy's great. I'd probably say, if I were to pick my three favourite actors right now, probably Tom Hardy, Ryan Gosling, Michael Fassbender. Well, I was pretty excited for Tom Hardy to be in this film. Mm -hmm. We're excited to see his face. Yes. (laughs) After Batman. Be like, ah, he's in a Western, but he could be wearing one of those, like, bandana things over his face the whole time and a hat. It did feel a little in Batman that, like, the villain was, like, Wilson from Home Improvement. (laughs) (laughs) The neighbour over the fence that you never saw the chin on. (laughs) So, yeah, it was good to see his full face. And Tom Hardy, for me, turned out to be the best thing in the film. Oh. I thought he was a great leader of his brothers. I thought... When he came into action with his knuckle duster, he was pretty badass. Mm. I like those scenes. And he was also quite funny, just how a lot of his dialogue was just little grunts and expressions. Like, mm. he didn't need to say that much. He sort of played the... It wasn't quite a uh, 
Clint Eastwood man with no name that doesn't really ever talk, but it yeah. had a little bit of that element to it. Like, he didn't always need to say a lot. Yeah. Uh, which I really enjoyed. So, mm. yeah, we haven't gone through very many of them yet, but there you go. That's, there's my MVP. Okay. Cool. Yeah, no, that is a, a pretty interesting character. Um, he's a bit, like, a bit mopey, it seems like. So just wandering around, keeping himself a lot. I don't know. It felt like he needed more hugs. <laughs> I think he needed more hugs in the movie from people. Then you've got Shia LaBeouf. I don't get what happened with this Shia LaBeouf guy, how he became the sort of go-to guy. Like, he's been the new Indiana Jones, the Indiana Jones protege. Yeah. He was the new Wall Street protege for Michael Douglas's character in Wall Street. He's been in all the Transformers movies. Like, how, why is he just the go-to guy for sort of, I know, young sort of protege actor guy? Especially as he's on a list on IMDb, it seems. Celebrities who are sometimes considered attractive slash handsome, but are not IMHO. (laughs) Yes. A very uh, illustrious list there, full of... uh, Great names like um, Miranda Cosgrove and Joey Boots. It's <laughs> <laughs> good company to keep. And Rachel McAdams, she's quite good looking. I think. Oh. Emma Stone, Emma Stone, and Anne Hathaway, and Zoe Deschanel. These are these are very attractive. Some very attractive people. On there. I, I wouldn't worry Shia LaBeouf. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah yeah Zoe Deschanel is sometimes considered attractive sorry um so anything of Shia LaBeouf in this movie I wasn't sure how he would fit in with the likes of Tom Hardy people that I really like his films are okay sort of like these mainstream kind of popular sort of things I thought he fit in quite well here this is sort of a I guess a relatively gritty film quite uh hard-nosed, and I guess his character is a bit lighter than some of the others, or has some lighter moments, but I didn't think it broke from the tone of the film. Mm. I think he, he still fit in well, and I guess I would have preferred more time still focused on the character of Forrest than his character of Jack, but I still think he did the job. I, I, I liked him in the role. Yeah, he's a bit of a hipster, isn't he, in the film? I do like, actually, I like him when he, get, he finally gets a bit of money, how he goes out and buys the best suits to try and impress the girl. Well, I was thinking more the hipster. Um, I, I, I like to think I keep a bit on the pulse with fashion and what's in and things. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you do, but anyway. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. So he was having this look that all the hip kids are having now, where he um, gets the button-up sort of shirt and buttons it all the way up without a tie. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, man, all the uni student kids are walking around like that. So I thought, oh, he's a bit ahead of his time there. I'm not a fan of that button-up top, to be honest. uh, It looks awful. (laughs) It looks absolutely, objectively awful. Objectively. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see uh, Shia LaBeouf in this movie walking around with, like, the maroon-coloured jeans, tight (laughs) jeans with that. (laughs) Maybe rolled up with boat shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I like to keep on the pulse of fashion. But can I give some fashion advice on the podcast? Is it that chinos never go out of style? (laughs) I do like the chinos. (laughs) 
No, no, no. It's um, think about whether the fashion you're wearing will date. Like you've got all these photos of you with this shirt that's fully buttoned up to the top, thinking in five years will I look ridiculous? <laughs> like with photos like this. My advice is dress like Paul Newman and take it from there. Okay. Timeless. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Paul Newman, not in the film, mm. but someone that is, who also seems to have a distinct fashion sense, Guy Pearce. <laughs> yes. Now, he plays the special deputy cop that's come into town, and I'm not sure how you'd describe him. Probably not Nance. I don't think you ought to be calling him a Nance. That, that might not work out too well for you. <laughs> but he's a bit sort of... Is it camp? I don't know. He's extremely well-dressed, but absurd, like, sort of bow tie. So he's, like, putting his little gloves on, like yeah. his designer gloves. And everything he does is just, like, a tiny bit sort of dainty or effeminate. Yeah. Though he's not that effeminate. He can get pretty ruthless when he needs to be. Mm. But, uh, everything, yes, his hair is just perfectly greased. Okay. What's with the hair part? Yeah, the, the hair part is just so clearly defined by down the middle. There's actually just about a centimetre, yeah. just sort of bald line, just straight down the middle of his head. Could, That's a serious parting. Could anyone do that? Like, I'm not sure if my hair, like, there's a centimetre of no hair growing, <laughs> like, down the middle of my head. Um, like, was he at school, like, one day, or, like, you know, when he was a kid, like, one day, like, just playing with his hair or something? <laughs> Maybe getting, like, one of his girlfriends to, like, play with his hair and then, like, you know, you've got a centimetre down the middle where no hair's growing. He's like, oh, man, not many people would have that. I've got to, like, like emphasize this. Like, this is what makes me unique. Yeah, that would definitely be the reaction. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to hiding it at all costs. <laughs> sort of growing it out and ruffling it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, he's committed to the hair part. Yeah. What did you think of Guy Pearce in the film? He was uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> There's also a scene, isn't there, where he's got a like a, an African-American, I would assume, prostitute in his room. Mm. Like, probably. He seems like the kind of guy that would have prostitutes and not um, able to pick up a girl in a bar. Like, hey, you want to come back to my place? She's like, oh, I love that hair part. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's get into this. So, but but I saw it. She was sitting on the bed, and it seemed to me like she was sitting on like a bit of newspaper that he put down on the bed. Like, like he wouldn't let her sit on the sheets. So like she's too dirty to like sit on his sheets, but he's happy to like have sex with her. What a terrible guy! This is like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> thing to do. Seems a little inconsistent. <laughs> Long story um, short, he's a jerk. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I quite liked him in the film. I thought he was an interesting character, something a bit different. I liked how ruthless he was. He was such a terrible guy, this corrupt cop. Mm. But at the same time, I thought it was perhaps a tiny bit over the top. And I'm not sure, I don't think it was really Guy Pierce's fault, but I think some of his lines weren't the best lines. I think he said, kill those sons of bitches in more than one scene. Like, yeah. I think that was just a bit lazy, that writing. So, mm -hmm. I liked him, but not the MVP. Mm -hmm. uh, we also got a couple of other characters. Uh, Jessica Chastain is in the film. She has a real movie star quality, doesn't she? 
Yeah, the first time you see her in the film, everyone just kind of stops and looks. Yeah. And I think the audience in the cinema just sort of did the same, just sort of... Yeah. She's got that quite, just a captivating sort of aura around her. Yeah, she just has the, I think, like, the grace of, like, one of those old movie stars. I mean, she just has a real beauty, a movie star beauty to her. Just watching this film, I realised, man, she's got some special sort of presence on screen that um, not too many actresses, especially today, have. Yeah, then we've got a character, Cricket. I love Cricket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dane DeHaan from Chronicle mm. played Cricket. For a long time in the film, they referred to him as a cripple. And I was trying to figure out what his crippleness was because he seemed pretty smart. He was good with his hands, making little things on the, the cars and the distillery and stuff. Mm. He seemed like a real handy guy. He didn't seem to have any handicap. Mm. They find out he had uh, rickets at a, as a kid. Yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> uh, a little trouble walking. Um... Which made me like the nickname Cricket so much more. Yeah. Because of Cricket from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. <laughs> Just every time he came on screen after that, I was like, Rickety Cricket! <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a that dissimilar character to Rickety Cricket's in It's Always Sunny either. Like, he seems to be the guy that just gets to do all the, like, sort of, like, lower work. He doesn't seem flushed with cash. I don't think he's on a good pay salary with this crime organisation. Yeah. Well, we know your MVP of the movie. Mm. Could you guess my MVP of the movie? No, because my brain could not comprehend any other possible answer than Tom Hardy. Well, it could be Tom Hardy. Okay. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Gary Oldman. I thought he was great. That's true. I love Gary Oldman. I think he was really underutilised in the film, actually. Incredibly. Incredibly <laughs> underutilised. But I just loved every scene he was in. Like, I was entertained by him whenever it, he was on screen. It was actually so underutilised to the point where I didn't understand his character's involvement in the film. Yeah, I'd agree Other with that, Other than just actually. being awesome in a few scenes, he didn't really contribute to the story. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I don't, like, especially in the trailer, you're expecting more Gary Oldman, too. So, yeah, I don't know. What, I, I think it would have been better if they used him more... Like, maybe he'd rocked up for the final showdown. That could have been fun. I don't know if that would have made any sense. (laughs) So we've got a few themes and stuff come up in this film. One is the idea of prohibition. Like, do you leave us film thinking prohibition was a good idea? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't claim to be a historical or political expert, but it seems to me that prohibition was just a disastrous idea. But on the other hand... It does give us movies like Lawless and shows like Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. And seeing as I don't live in an era of prohibition, perhaps it was a benefit to my life. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd never thought of prohibition as such a positive light before. <laughs> <laughs> so it gets my thumbs up. What about you, Matt? Yeah, like, well, I guess it encouraged, like, entrepreneurship. You know, these guys, there would have been alcohol companies making some money off alcohol, like, and they wouldn't have had a job. Like, they've just been bumming around that, like, house. Like, Tom Hardy just staring at Jessica Chastain for longer. Like, I, just, I guess it made their lives interesting. 
But yeah, no, it was a disaster, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> really, is like you've got all these people, corrupt crime. You've you've got like corrupt police. Like, it just seems like it's corruption city in Lawless. With, with this, is that what the city was called? The city wasn't called Lawless. It was called Corruption City. <laughs> yeah, Corruption City. Yeah, like it was. I thought it was gangsters versus uh, cowboys before seeing the movie. After the movie, it's just like. Corrupt policeman versus corrupt non-policeman. Like, <laughs> it was sort of the the movie. Now this film Matt is pretty violent. Yes, ruthlessly so. I would say. Mm. Uh, if you do not like violence, do not see Lawless. Yes. If you do like violence, do see Lawless. Turn yourself in. Now. Why would someone like violence? Yeah, that's right. I said, turn yourself in. I'm like, what? I think there's violence that's just sort of for shock factor. It doesn't really contribute to a film. Hmm. And then there's, I think, violence that reveals something about a character. Hmm. Like, if a character just punches a guy a couple of times, you go, oh, that guy punched a guy a couple of times. If he just sort of drags him around the place, kicking the crap out of him, hitting them in the face with a end of a rifle and he's bleeding from the mouth kicking him in the teeth like he goes that extra mile to the point where the audience is uncomfortable you now have a different relationship with that character Mm. and so i think lawless i mean of course some of us for shock value you get that sort of visceral reaction to it but i think a lot of it was useful and well done in order to propel the story and our understanding of its characters. Yeah, I never a huge problem with the violence in this film. Like, never, I was like, why did they do that? That doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't say I liked the violence, <laughs> though. Like, I think a film where I liked the violence was Kick-Ass. It's like, this is awesome! Just so much, like, crazy violent stuff's <laughs> happening. That girl just cut off a guy's head. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think that happens in the movie. Whatever, like... <laughs> there's a lot of shootings and things like that and knife violence and things I would like to know where they're getting their bullets from and where they're getting their like knives sharpened because it seems like these are very weak bullets and these are very blunt knives it, now I'm not saying no one dies in the film people do die in the film but a surprising number of people don't die in the film after getting shot and stabbed. Well, that's part of the point of the film, that there's this myth, this legend about this group that they are invincible or indestructible Mm. or immortal. And that's why they always keep on surviving these plagues, these injuries, and that's why... They believe they can't be stopped. So is the whole idea about self-belief. Like, if I believe in myself and I believe um, my own invincibility, I will then become invincible. Like, you know, uh, getting shot to death is a state of mind problem. It's that person didn't believe in themselves enough. That's why they died when they got shot. I know your tongue is placed quite firmly in your cheek when you ask this question, (laughs) but I'm going to answer it with a yes (laughs) and say that I guess part of the theme or message of the film is that 
these people took advantage of their opportunities and believed in themselves where other people didn't believe that they could achieve such things, and that's why they are able to overcome certain obstacles. Now, of course, that doesn't mean, like, they are literally immortal, and if they took a hundred bullets to the face, they wouldn't die. But, uh, yes, I guess that is (laughs) part of the point of the film. And it's not just these two guys, or three guys, or whatever... It's like pretty much most characters in the movie. Like pretty much every character in the movie. It's cowboys versus gangsters versus zombies. Yeah. No, I don't know. I did, I did find that a problem. I did actually sort of went with it in the film. Yeah. I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing, but I'm saying in this world, it seems like bullets and knives can only do so much to a character. Just slow them down a little. There's also a couple of relationships in the film. Yeah. Why are they always trying to ruin my action movies with characters and depth and girls? Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess you've got two main relationships. It's Tom Hardy and Jessica Chastain. Yeah. A lot of that is just Tom Hardy looking at Jessica Chastain sort of somewhat creepily. I way preferred that one. It was more believable. It was more... Oh, I preferred that one. It was, I guess, another example of... I think that was the more clever writing where things yes. didn't need to be said. I think... And that was down to the actors being able to com- convey certain things just with their expressions towards each other. Hmm. You need a good relationship with a girl to be able to pull that off. Like, what Tom Hardy was doing with Jessica Chastain by, like, looking in her bedroom window and things like that can be taken two ways by a girl. can be taken... Oh, I think he likes me, he's just not confident enough to say so, and I like him. Or it can be taken, oh, El Creepo over there. <laughs> you know what know what he's doing, he's going back to his room. So, <laughs> so um, luckily she took it the, the good way, the sweet way. I think when you're Tom Hardy, the odds are fairly stacked. Yeah. You've also got the uh, Shia LaBeouf, who's interested in Mia Wazkowski, or whatever her name is. <laughs> the minister's daughter. So he likes the preacher's daughter. And I think she sort of likes him too. But she's like, my father would never allow this. You can't be seen with me when my father's around. So she sort of pushes him back a little, encourages him, but sort of pushes him back a little. What did you think of that whole thing? Did you like the father? What was your <laughs> father? I liked his beard. Yeah, he had a good beard. There's some good beards in that... Uh church community. I kind of liked... I thought... Look, there were some funny moments Mm. in this, him trying to court this girl when he's sort of a bit of a ragtag criminal, Mm. but with a sort of good heart. Yeah. And her, the preacher's daughter, that's kind of interested in him because he's a bit of a bad boy, but it provided some funny moments, but I think there was a bit too much time spent on it. Yes. Like, I felt like I was meant to be rooting for this relationship more than I would be in real life. When I'd be like, no, stay away from this guy. This guy's got guns. He's involved in organized crime. He's, this is a dangerous guy. Stay away from him, Mia. I'd have been telling him to stay away from her. I seem like a bit of a, uh, a crazy uh, sort of sect that she was a part of. <laughs> that, that, that is fair enough. It did not seem like my local chat. <laughs> Are you ready for our segment? Yes, let's open our segment. What has Blank taught us? This week, what has Lawless taught us? Mm. Matt, 
or does Lowell start you? What I actually learned at the end of the day was that um, something that would make a pretty gross present. I learned pretty much the worst present you could get someone. I I thought I'd seen bad presents with Scrooge, with the lump of coal, and various <laughs> things like that. I thought, oh man, it would be a douche to give someone a lump of coal, old man Scrooge and things. You couldn't make that any worse. Uh, they topped that in this movie <laughs> with, uh, I think, the worst present I have ever seen. You wouldn't have liked it? I would not have liked it. Despite how nicely it was wrapped? <laughs> no. <I would. laughs> it doesn't matter how nicely you wrap it. Um, would not have liked that. It would have tested me. <laughs> so, Jonathan, what has Lawless taught you? Well, Matt, Lawless has taught me that, surprisingly, it is in fact possible to still look like a badass while wearing a cardigan. <laughs> Tom Hardy rocks the cardigan a fair portion of this film, Mm. and uh, he still looks like someone that I wouldn't want to mess with. It's uh, not a look that I would have thought many people would be able to pull off. I'm not sure if I could pull off the uh, the badass cardigan look, but uh, Mm. I guess it's possible. Yeah. There you go. It's a good lesson. Now let's uh, give our screen verdict. Verdict. Jonathan. Well, I guess I went into this with reasonably high expectations. I like John Hillcoat as a director. I like Nick Cave as a writer. I really love Tom Hardy. And I like westerns. So I was hoping this would be good. I think it's got a reasonable setup. I like the idea of the Bondurant boys and them being invincible, bootlegging. I think you've got some interesting characters and some good scenes. But I think it lacks sort of pace. There's... The story isn't really strong enough to propel me through the two hours, keep me interested for that length of time. I was trying to think why I didn't really like the film that much, what the actual flaws were, and I was having trouble thinking of them. I think it just lacked a little spark. I think John Hillcoat's a great director, but it didn't have any of the shots that left an impact or were as memorable as there were in The Road. I think... The music was a little strange. They didn't use the great scores that uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis are able of producing. They just used a lot of sort of pop songs that were sort of redone in a kind of country style. Mm. And I'm not sure if I like that as much. I'm a bit mixed, but overall I guess I liked it and was pulled through enough by especially Tom Hardy and Gary Oldman and Guy Pearce. I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, it, it, this is a tough one to give a verdict to, or, or at least to some of my thoughts on, because there isn't really much I didn't like about this movie, like, sort of, it was fine, but there isn't really much I liked about this movie either. Like, I sort of like, yeah, it's okay to watch, like, I didn't mind it, there's some good stuff in there, some interesting things, like, uh, but generally, I was just, like, watching it, I didn't really connect with any of the characters. Um, I think Gary Oldman is fun. I think Jessica Chastain has a a moment in the movie where I really um, felt for her. So in that moment, I guess I was really invested in her character. But I didn't really like the Band of Outboys. Tom Hardy was all right. The Band of Outboys. What are they called? The the Bondurant. The Bondurant. Oh, I'm sorry. I was so different to what I said. (laughs) The Bondurant Boys. (laughs) 
I felt I, I didn't really connect with them. I didn't really identify much with them, and they didn't really drag me in. And I, I feel like a lot of the film dragged. I feel like it was, too, again, too long, this movie. Um, they could have trimmed some of the fat, maybe made it a bit more engaging, get a bit more Gary Oldman in on the mix. So I'm going to give it a six. That's our screen verdict. I think it's a bit of a bare housekeeping. Yeah, we, well, like, you can obviously uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or like us on Facebook. They're two things that you can always do. Good things to do. They're good things gives to do. Gives you good access to the podcast. And also gives you the opportunity to be involved in prizes and competitions. Yes, and uh, engage with, uh, especially on the Facebook, engage with the other listeners and get good discussions going about the various uh, podcasts and movies and TV shows. Screen Verdict is more than just me and Jonathan. It's uh, the whole community of listeners. <laughs> and uh, we still don't have a resolution on that birthday present of mine. Still searching down the last clue. Well, oh, there's no one like can go with me. I'm not going to go on my own. <laughs> Hopefully next week we'll have a re- resolution to Matt's birthday clue-finding adventure. Yeah, the problem is... It's been raining a lot this week. So I'm hoping that it's still all right. I hope it's destroyed and that you feel bad for not going earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if I gave you this present, right, I sent you on a treasure hunt finding these clues and stuff, and then you were like, oh, I did some of them, but then I couldn't really be bothered to go on my own and didn't get the last one for two weeks. Like, I'd be like, what a douche. Just go get it. So, like, if the present's ruined, I'd be like, well, that's your fault. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not going to rehash the like, whole... Basically, it was their fault. Matt's, what Matt's <laughs> getting at is he doesn't want to go into it at length on the podcast, but he is not at fault, and the person that gave him a gift is at fault. <laughs> you're, editing, you're editing this out. No, this is him. This is him. You're definitely sure. editing this out. <laughs> Well, you say that, but then you listen to the podcast. I'll delete the podcast. I'll delete it. <laughs> well, the Obama-Romney debate started, so we've got to get to that now. We'll look forward to that, guys. I think next week we could be doing a Killing Them Softly podcast. What is that? This is another one of my choices. Was this even on the schedule? Yeah. I don't remember this at all, but... It's the one... Directed by the guy that did the assassination of Jesse James. It's called uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I remember it now. So we'll see if Matt uh, regrets me chasing <laughs> him into watching another one of my films. <laughs> hopefully he enjoys it. And hopefully you do too. Or mm. well, the podcast at least. And we'll see you then. Yeah. Goodbye.